0: Remember what you said You'll return that I might live In my father's house
1: They give themselves no time for self-inquiry and quiet thought about the state of their souls. You know, taking that inventory, as I often refer to again just making sure that everything lines up in our lives according to the revealed word of god listen public meetings services are a rush and it's just a blessing to be able to get together with your brothers and sisters in christ and worship and study where but listen again what we're talking about here is private religion
0: the lord has a plan for you and it's unique to you not your spouse your child your friend your family member of any kind You. So how can you know what that plan is for your life? How can you cultivate a relationship with your Savior? Pastor Mike has the answer. You must spend time with the Lord on your own. Of course, fellowship with others is healthy, but don't let the pursuit of that make you neglect your personal relationship with Jesus. Spend time with your Savior today. Now, here's Pastor Mike in the book of 2 Peter, chapter 3, with today's edition of In My Father's House.
1: People measure Christianity by what we do, what we say. And the Christian who is always at a standstill, who is not growing, not triumphing over sin, is seldom a Christian who does much good. But then on the other hand, the man or woman who shakes and stirs minds and sets the world thinking is the believer who is continually improving and going forward. Because men think that there's life and reality when they see growth. That's the conclusion that they come to. Another reason why this is so important. Let us also know that growth in grace pleases God. Let me give you a couple of cross references for this. Like for example, in First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 1, where we are being exhorted to grow in our relationship. Paul there writes, Finally, brethren, we urge and exhort you in the Lord Jesus Christ that you should abound more and more. Just as you have received of us, you ought to walk and to please God. Notice there, the connection between growing in grace in these virtues and pleasing God. Another cross-reference in the book of Hebrews, in chapter 13, in verse 16, there the writer exhorts us, but do not forget to do good and to share for which such sacrifices God is well pleased. You see the connection between the two? and then lastly probably one of the more familiar to you john's gospel in chapter 15 and verse 8 john 15 is the the vine and the branch chapter he says jesus himself says by this my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so my father in heaven is glorified that you will be my disciple so let us also know that growth in grace pleases god you see the lord takes pleasure in all of his people, but especially in those that are growing in their experience. And then also, let us know, above all else, that growth in grace is not only a thing that is possible, we've already uh, addressed that, but it is a thing for which believers are accountable. We are responsible to grow. Think about this. To tell an unconverted man who doesn't have any aptitude towards spiritual things, the natural man who isn't born again, to tell an unconverted man who is dead in their sins and trespasses to grow in grace would doubtlessly be absurd. But to tell a believer who has been quickened and made alive by the Spirit of God to grow is only summoning him to a plain scriptural uh, duty. You see, he has a new principle within him, and it is a solemn duty not to quench it. And listen, folks, let me give you an incentive for this. There's a lot at stake if we don't give ourselves to that occupation, that we don't apply ourselves to growing in the grace of God, because the neglect of growth robs us of the privileges that God has made available to those of us who are committed to that occupation. It also grieves the Holy Spirit. I know how that we need the Holy Spirit functioning and working, anointing us, you know, working uh, behind the scenes in our lives. It grieves the Holy Spirit, and it causes the wheels of our souls to move more slowly, more heavily. Okay, so with that said, let me pose this question. If we're not growing in grace, well, then whose fault is it? Well, you can't lay the blame on uh, God. For example, a couple of cross-references. We are told just the opposite. In James chapter 4 and verse 6, there we are told that God delights to give more grace. So there you have it. You know, if we make our appeal unto God for His grace, He will be more than willing to dispense it. And then we go back day by day. You know, we go the first day, we ask God for His grace to just get us through the course of our day, He does, we use it, and then we go back the following day for more grace so that we contend with the issues and situations of that day. And it's just a continuing process, day by day. He delights to give more grace. Let me give you another cross-reference from the Old Testament, in the book of Psalms, in chapter 35, verse 27. There we are told, He hath pleasure in the prosperity of His servants. That's you, that's me. God wants us to prosper. Well, anyway, the fault, no doubt, is our own if we're not growing in grace. We ourselves are to blame and no one else if we do not grow. With God's help, let us apply ourselves to learning of and growing in this grace of God. Let's take a look at those final charges of Peter here in his second epistle chapter 3 and verse 18. Peter there exhorts us, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. I propose all of us to consider the means that must be used by those who desire to grow in the grace of God. And listen, you know, this is a point I fear which is too overlooked by many believers. I mean, many admire growth in grace in other people and wish that they themselves were like them, but they seem to suppose that those who have grown in grace, that they have become who they are on the basis of some special gift that's been given to them and given to them only, like it's sort of a part of their calling, or it's a very specific grant that has been given them and only them. And thus we come to the wrong conclusion that, you know, we must just be content with where we are and sort of like stuck in neutral. But listen, that's not true. We need to continue to grow in grace. And growing in grace is all bound up with the use of means within the reach of all believers, not just a few. And that, as a general rule, growing souls are what they are because they use the means by which they grow in grace. And so anyway, cast away forever the vain thought, it's not true, that if a believer does not grow in grace, it is not his or her fault. In fact, it is. I mean, a believer is someone who has been quickened or made alive by the Spirit of God, and they are not dead creatures but they are a being of mighty capacities and responsibilities. Let me give you a cross-reference. In the book of Proverbs, the book of Wisdom, in chapter 13, and verse 4, there we are told, the soul of the diligent, notice, the person who gives himself to this occupation of growing in grace, the soul of the diligent shall be made rich, or other translations say, will be fat. Okay, so let's get into those things that are essential for our being able to grow in grace. And there are actually five exercises. The first of which is diligence in the use of private means of grace. Now, what are we talking about here? Well, by these, I mean such means as a man or a woman must use by himself alone, and no one can use them for him or her. I guess you might refer to this as private religion. Like, for example, private prayer, the time that we spend privately, alone, with God in our prayer closet, just you and Him praying, or the private reading of the Scriptures and then meditating upon those Scriptures. How do they apply to you? How do they apply to me? You know, just looking for the practical application of what we've just read. And then, of course, self-examination to make sure that all of those things are in their proper place within our our lives, and that we are giving ourselves to the instruction of what we have just read in the scriptures. And listen, the man or woman who does not take pains about these things must never expect to grow the roots of true Christianity. Okay, so listen, if you are wrong here, you're wrong all the way through. So here is the reason why many professing Christians never seem to get on in their relationship with the Lord. Why? Because they're careless about their private prayers. They read the Bible little, and with very little heartiness of spirit. I mean, how do you approach, in your own personal study time, how do you approach reading the Word of God? I mean, listen, every one of us has our own unique situations that are going on in our lives, and And we have questions about those things that are going on in our our lives. And so we make our appeal to God through the scriptures. And God has that wonderful, beautiful way of addressing those needs in our lives. So it should create within us a very interest, a great interest in the studying of the word of God. Because knowing that God is going to respond to us in a very special, unique, and personal kind of a, a way. He's going to instruct us. He's going to counsel us they give themselves no time for self-inquiry and quiet thought about the state of their souls. You know, taking that inventory, as I often refer to. Again, just making sure that everything lines up in our lives, according to the revealed Word of God. Listen, public meetings, services are a rush and it's just a blessing to be able to get together with your brothers and sisters in Christ and worship and study and where. But listen, again, what we're talking about here is private religion. And that private religion must receive our first attention if we wish our souls to grow. Now, let's go on. The second essential to growing in grace is a carefulness in the use of public means of grace. Now, one of my referring to uh here well I'm referring to the means as a man or a woman has within his reach as a member of Christ's church for example the ordinances of regular Sunday worship as I've already mentioned the uniting together with your brothers and sisters in Christ for worship and and again what a rush that is what a blessing you know as the the choruses are go up before God as we sing those songs that were being led in and and expressing our love for the Lord. What a blessing that is. You know, everyone's voice is rising up and praising the Lord. And then also getting together and and being led in common prayer. Everyone bowing their heads together and and agreeing, you know, on a specific subject that the Lord would hear our prayers and respond to our corporate prayers. And then, of course, the preaching of the Word of God. And uh, how exciting that is. Or how about receiving the Lord's Supper? What a precious time that is, as we remember, you know, the the tremendous price that Jesus paid, that we might have life, that we might have fellowship with God, that our sins might be forgiven. So in all of these things, we need to guard ourselves against becoming jaded to these things, enthusiastically approaching these things as well. So how excited are you about growing in grace and the use of public means of grace? Approaching these things with a freshness, an appetite, as in the year we first believed. Let's go back to our conversion experience. Remember how new and exciting everything was. You're always the first one to attend the prayer meeting. You're always the first one to show up for a Sunday morning service. You're always the first one you know, to accept the invitation to become involved and, and help out in some area of, of ministry something that needed to be taken care of. Listen, it is a sign of bad health when a person loses relish for his food, right? And it is also a sign of spiritual decline when we lose our appetite for the means of grace. So, whatever we do about public means, let us always do it with all of our might. And gang, this is the way that we grow in grace. Thirdly, another thing that's essential to growing in grace is watchfulness of our conduct in the little matters of everyday life. Now, what am I talking about? What am I referring to? Well, for example, controlling our tempers, our tongues, the discharge of our several relations of life, the way that we interact with other people, our employment of our time. Are we using our time wisely? Are we giving due time to work alongside of God to further his kingdom? What are we doing with our time? Each and all must vigilantly attend to these things if we wish our souls to prosper. I mean, think about it. Life is made up of days and days of hours, and the little things of every hour are never so little as to be beneath the care of a Christian. We need to be very careful about the things that we become involved with. We need to be precise and careful. We need to hold on our way, remembering we serve a precise God. We have to follow the example of Christ in the least things as well as in the greatest things. We must take up our cross daily and hourly rather than sin. Gang, this is just another way to grow. Fourthly, another thing which is essential to growth and grace is a caution about the company we keep and the friendships that we form, because nothing, perhaps, affects men's character more than the company we keep. I mean, we catch the ways and tone of those we live and talk with and unhappily get harm far more easily than good. Remember, disease is infectious, but health is not. And how true those words are. And so if a Christian deliberately chooses to be intimate with those who are not friends of God and who cling to the world, then you can be sure their soul will receive harm. So we need to be very careful about the relationships and friendships that we form with other people. I mean, it's hard enough to serve Christ under any circumstances in such a world as this, but it is doubly hard to do it if we are friends of the thoughtless and the ungodly. And that's why Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33, evil company, or communications, corrupt good manners. You know, as another cross-reference in the book of James, In chapter 4 and verse 4, there we are told that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. And so let us seek friends, develop relationships, where those relationships and friends will stir us up spiritually. They will have a good influence upon us. It will help us, not harm us. This is just another way to grow in the grace of God. And then, fifthly, and finally, one last thing, which is absolutely essential to grow in grace, and that is the regular and habitual communion with the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, we need to be plugged into the Lord. We need to abide in Jesus. You know, that reminds me of John's Gospel in chapter 15, the vine and the branch chapter. Jesus is the vine. We are the branches. We need to abide in Christ and thus. Our lives will be fruitful. We will be growing in that grace. So, what are we talking about here? Well, simply the daily habit of fellowship and interaction with our Lord, between the believer and the Savior, which can only be carried on by faith, by prayer, by the study of the Word, meditation upon the Word. You know, consider the names and offices, Christ in the Scriptures. Which show unmistakably that this communion between the believer and his Savior is a real, true thing. For example, the Bible refers to Jesus as the bridegroom and the church as his bride. It often refers to Jesus as the head and his members, or the physician and his patients, the advocate and his clients, the shepherd and his sheep the master and his student scholars, all of which implies a habit of familiar communion, of daily application for things that are needed, of daily pouring out and unburdening our hearts and our minds. And such a habit of dealing with Christ is clearly something more than a vague, general trust in the work that Christ did for sinners. We need to go way beyond that. It is getting close to Him, laying hold upon Him with confidence as a loving, personal friend. Listen, gang, this is what I mean by communion. Let me give you some further examples of this, that, how this actually works itself out in the life of a believer, what this looks like. For example, we turn to Jesus first in every need. We talk to Him about every difficulty. We consult Him about every step that we are about to take. We spread before him all of our sorrows to get him to share in all of our joys, to do all in his sight, leaning upon him, looking to him. You know, Paul put it this way in the book of Galatians in chapter 2, in verse 20, and this is the way he just sums up his experiences, walk with the Lord. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. In other words, he's abandoned himself to Christ. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. And so Paul puts it uh, in that way using those terms. Listen, folks, we need to await before it's too late. We need to live to God. So do not stand still talking and meaning and intending and wishing and hoping to do all of these things one day we're going to get around to them seek christ today that you might live and that living you may grow in his grace now is the time to look within and put to our souls a simple question in our christianity in the things that concern our peace in the matter of personal holiness are we getting on are we going forward Are we growing? Now, let me lead you in a word of prayer. So let's bow our heads together and let's pray. Father, awaken us to these truths. All of what we've been talking about, may we be diligent in their application. And may they transform our relationship with you, ever growing in the grace of God. We thank you, for we ask all of these things in the name of Jesus. And everyone say, Amen. In my
0: father's house there is a place for me in my father's house where i love to be oh, my as we study the book of second peter together we pray it has encouraged you to mature in your faith growing in any capacity can be both exciting and difficult but always necessary One way to grow is to tune into programs like this. Great job. You've been listening to In My Father's House, and we're so glad you tuned in to hear today's teaching with Pastor Mike. To listen to today's message again or to hear more from Pastor Mike, just search for In My Father's House on your favorite podcast platform and be sure to subscribe. You can also find us on media via Facebook and Instagram to keep up to date on our day-to-day happenings. If you're looking for a place in Midtown Manhattan to come together with others and worship Jesus, we'd love to have you join us this Sunday for worship at Harvest Christian Fellowship. You'll be able to reserve your seat and get directions to our easy access point at HarvestNYC.org. We're also streaming each Sunday and Thursday evening service, so everyone has a chance to attend, even if you can't make it in person. If this broadcast has been an encouragement to you, would you consider supporting us? We'd love your prayerful support. And if you feel led, we're also thankful for any financial support. In fact, you can donate securely on our website, HarvestNYC.org. Again, that's HarvestNYC.org. Thanks for your support, and thanks for listening in today. Pastor Mike has much more to share from the book of 2 Peter so be sure to join us again next time right here on in my Father's house Where I love be, oh, my heart not be troubled.